1. Leonid Leo Balkus picked up the telephone from its cradle on his desk, punched the intercom button, and patiently waited for the maitre d' of his upscale St. Paul restaurant, the Blue Lady, to answer. When he did, Leo softly said, Send Ike in here, please. Sure thing, boss, the man replied. Less than a minute later, Leo heard a soft knock on his office door, which opened before Leo could respond. Leo looked at the door as Ivan Ike Pitts came through the soundproofed, heavy metal door, and as he approached Leo's desk, said, What do you need, boss? Sit down, Leo replied, pointing to one of the two tasteful, leather-covered Queen Anne's in front of Leo's large, mahogany desk. He then swiveled his chair around and turned on the switch of the electronic jamming device he kept on his credenza. The silent signal it emitted would block any listening devices that may have been planted in his office. Leo was a cautious crook. His office was swept for bugs twice a week. He rarely spoke over an outside telephone line and never, ever used a cell phone. As a result, Despite the fact that the cops and the FBI knew exactly who he was and what he did, Leo had never been convicted of anything. I have a delicate job for you, he continued as Ike sat down in the chair. Let me guess, Ike responded. That weaselly little shit, Bob Corwin. You got it, Leo answered. I'm tired of his whining and excuses, but listen, he continued leaning forward in his chair, both hands on the desktop and, while sternly looking at Ike, said, Watch the rough stuff. I want the fear of God put into him, but he's into me for over fifty grand, and dead men don't pay. Understood? Yes, sir, Ike answered. How far can I go? Leo leaned back in his big leather desk chair, looked up at the ceiling, reflected for a minute, and then thoughtfully said, It might do him some good to make a visit to an emergency room. Maybe even wear a sling for a couple of weeks just so he knows I'm serious. The degenerate could get the money from his family any time, and I'm tired of waiting. Take Butch with you. That alone should scare the shit out of him. You got it, boss, Ike said as he stood to leave. We'll take care of it tonight. I got a pretty good idea where to find him. Good, Leo replied, and I want a decent chunk of money from him in two days. I ain't no goddamn bank. Absolutely his underling answered as he walked through the office door he had entered. Ike went back into the restaurant that served as a front for Leo's more lucrative activities, walked into the bar area, and spotted the man he wanted, seated by himself at the end of the bar. He walked up to the man and, in a quiet voice, said, Hey, Butch, we got a little thing to take care of. Sure thing, Butch responded as he set his glass of Coke on the coaster. He swiveled his chair toward the door, stood, and said, Let's go. The two men walking through the restaurant toward the parking lot door could not have looked, or been, more dissimilar. Ike, the older of the two and Leo's right-hand man for more than five years, was only five feet eight and weighed 150 with rocks in his pockets. Butch stood six feet four and was a chiseled 240. Ike was dressed in an $800 baby blue suede sports coat, white dress shirt, tan Armani slacks, and light brown Ralph Lauren loafers, and could pass the respectability test almost anywhere. Butch, on his best day, dressed and looked like a part-time stevedore full-time weightlifter. Perfect examples of how looks could be deceiving. Oddly enough, 
It was Ike who was the hot-headed, loose screw, who couldn't be completely trusted to control himself. The problem with Ike was, and always had been, his inferiority complex about his size. Having grown up on the east side of St. Paul during the time when Asian and black street gangs were taking over, Ike had learned to flee or fight at an early age. Ike, never one to flee, had formed his own gang, most of whose members were now either dead, in prison, or on the police force. Leo had taken an interest in him when Ike committed his first murder. The victim was a member of an Asian gang who was encroaching on Ike's drug trade. Ike picked the young man at random just to send the gang a clear don't-mess-with-me message. When Leo heard about Ike's arrest, he sent his personal lawyer, a superstar criminal defense attorney named Bruce Dolan, to take care of the kid.